welcome to Scary Basement. Each week, me and my friend Mikey are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this basement, which is full of spinning tops made of teeth, judgmental cats who make you feel bad about yourself, and the abominable snowman from Ski Free who has become real. I'm Roxy Polk. And I'm Mikey McCaller. Let's start out, as we always do, with the scariest things that happened to us this week, Mikey. What went down in your life outside of the scary basement that spooked you to your very bones? Well, Roxy, I'm going to tell you a thing that happened to me that doesn't sound that scary, but is actually the most horrifying thing that's ever happened in my entire life. In your entire life? Okay, my my expectations are really high now that you phrased it that way, so let me hear it. I ripped a muscle at the gym. Oh my god. It's not that, I mean, it's not that bad, it's just like it kind of hurts to move around, but it's kept me out of the gym. I haven't felt up to going in a couple of days now because my left shoulder hurts so bad. And here's why that's so frightening. Because it reminds me of my mortality. Roxy, I am going to die. My body is failing. There are things I can't change. It's not like when you pop your shoulder out of its sock, you can just pop it back on and keep going on with your day. No, 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 no. This is just a thing that happened. It kept me from doing something I love. And as I get older and older and closer and closer to death, it's just going to happen more. My body is breaking down. I'm going to die soon. And it's going to be very sad for me and everyone who loves me. Uh, I, yeah, that's bad. I don't know about the soon part, though. I mean, we're all going to die someday. It's not even soon, Roxy. It's already begun. (laughs) Because of this rip muscle, Mikey. Because of the rip muscle. I'm going to be okay. What happened to you this week that was <laughs> that was super scary? Okay, we'll just uh, not think about mortality anymore. That's I fine. like that I'm plan fine with moving on. So much. Okay. I found out about a terrifying creature this week, Mikey. Ooh. Um which I I've sent you a photo of it. This ah! thing is called ah! <laughs> I saw the first photo and then the second photo changed it my reaction drastically. Yeah, it's uh, hard to believe that the top photo becomes the bottom photo. And also the name of it is uh, the Sarcastic Fringe Head. Mm, I've seen a lot of those on the fringe message boards in (laughs) late 2009. (laughs) Yeah, this fish is a big fan of the TV show Fringe from, uh, what was it, 2006 (laughs) or whenever that came out. Uh, So not only does this thing, it's a very territorial fish who will fight anything that comes close to it, including humans. But it has a horrible mouth that it opens to threaten, which is, like, many times the size of its face and looks kind of like a horrible, like, detached jaw thing, kind of like a predator or, like, it it, it just looks like a creature out of a horror movie. And it's also kind of, like, multicolored for some reason. Can can I give Um, a a quick description? It looks like, so first of all, it's, like, coming out of a, a crater- from an underwater section and looks kind of like it, it's like an eel that looks kind of frustrated. Yeah. But as it opens its mouth, its mouth, you're right. There's like a predator aspect to it, but it also looks like, did you ever play an elementary school? Did you ever like get the whole class around a multicolored parachute and you like lift it up and like, <gasps> yes. And then go underneath it. It looks like, it looks like that fish's predator mouth is that multicolored parachute. Oh my god, that's... uh, Yeah, you're not wrong. Now I will never be able to look at those parachutes the same way again. I wonder if it evolved to prey on children in this way, Mikey. It's even more terrifying. Were you ever going to look at those parachutes again anyway? (laughs) They have not come up in my life as much as my gym teachers made me believe they would. (laughs) That's a good point. I mean, I did like it before and after school kids program at one point, and that that was the only other time it occurred, though. So yeah, unless Mm -hmm. you're in a... Elementary school gymnasium, you're probably not going to see one of those. (laughs) But another aspect of this fish that makes it a little more funny or maybe a little more terrifying is that how how it fights with others of its species, it like kiss, they kiss each other. So they open up their mouths and then they compare who has the largest mouth and whoever has the largest mouth is automatically the most dominant. Hmm. So they they literally just press their mouths against each other and they kiss (laughs) I would say that most of our arguments are settled by who has the biggest mouth, but it really just comes down to that the metaphor because uh, people who talk loudly are said to have big mouths. Yes, I, I guess so. I will also say I have definitely been in relationships where we kiss each other when we're fighting. I mean, it's th- not fun. That can be okay. I it, guess it's, not. <laughs> it's love as a weapon. Well, that I don't like that. I don't no, like that I at all. I didn't either. Oh, here he is. Ah. You hear that? 
demon bot. Mikey and Roxy, last week I tasked you to watch the 1998 film The Faculty, directed by Robert Rodriguez and starring Jordana Brewster, Josh Hartnett, and Elijah Wood. Did you watch the film, or your soul's forfeit? Yes, I watched it. Did you, Mikey? I watched the movie The Faculty, yes. Okay, great. Good, then you may keep your souls. Roxy, mm-hmm. we're going to keep our souls. I don't know. For now. See? There he goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was uh, to be expected, but it still hurt. I, I appreciate you uh, being positive, though. I, I like that about you. I'm a cheery boy. <laughs> <laughs> Roxy, we watched The Faculty. We sure did. What a movie it had. It starred Frodo. It starred... Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett from Halloween H2O. It starred <laughs> Fomka Johnson from GoldenEye. And it starred Jon Stewart from Politics. Yep. Also, did you ever watch Frasier? Yes. Okay. So, like, the ex-wife Lilith, she's the she's the, the principal. principal. Yes. Yeah. No, the moment you said it, I was like, oh, right. I wondered why I had a visceral hatred reaction to her yeah. even before she turned into a monster. <laughs> she's very spooky. Okay, Mikey, how about we, uh, we give a plot summary of this movie? I want to do it. Let's do it. We open in Harrington High School in Ohio. It's having a football practice, and the resident mean drill sergeant-type coach berates the students and is then approached by a figure out of frame. Later that evening, a school budget meeting between the teachers turns bad when the coach shows up and pursues Principal Drake. Unfortunately, just when Drake thinks she has escaped with the help of another teacher, Mrs. Olson, Mrs. Olson turns on her and stabs Principal Drake, killing her. Wow, what's going on in this school? Nothing good, I can tell you that. The next morning, we're introduced to our plucky teen cast. Casey, a photography nerd working for the school paper. Delilah, head cheerleader in charge of the school paper and overall mean girl. Stokely, an outcast goth who is also a sci-fi nerd. Stan, a quarterback, and Delilah's boyfriend who wants to quit being a quarterback so he can be a uh, smart guy. Mary Beth, a new girl with a southern accent, and Zeke, super smart underachiever and a local school drug dealer who's repeating a year. Love that guy. While hiding from the bullies at lunch, Casey finds a strange creature on the football field that looks like a small slug. The creature appears dead, and when he takes it to his science teacher, played by Jon Stewart, we learn that this is a new species that resembles sea parasites. When water is accidentally splashed on it, the creature comes to life. And then is put into an aquarium where it's not only thriving, but multiplying, baby. This creature even bites Jon Stewart as he reaches his hand into the aquarium. Later that day, Stan is in the boys' shower when one of the elderly teachers stumbles in asking for help as her body horrifyingly deteriorates rapidly. Meanwhile, Delilah and Casey are looking for a new story for the school paper and enter the faculty lounge, hoping to find some juicy drama. Unfortunately, they have to hide in a closet when three of the teachers enter the room. And to their horror, two of the teachers attack and force a parasite into the ear of the third one, who happens to be the school nurse. They then find the body of the now-dead elderly teacher who was in the shower earlier, freak out, and rush out of the room, narrowly escaping the homicidal teachers. Casey then tells his parents of the horror he just experienced and brings two cops with him. However, Principal Drake is back, looking good, and all she and the other teachers are obviously covering up what happened, playing it off as a misunderstanding with a CPR doll. The cops are, of course, annoyed, and the principal takes one of them into her office. And after he leaves, that officer appears changed. Something is not right here, but damn it all, the adults won't listen. Casey meets with Stokely, whose notable sci-fi fan tells her what happened. It seems like a body snatcher situation to her, but something is still off. They then meet up with Stan and Delilah and theorize that aliens are taking over the school. It's gotta be aliens. Zeke and Mary Beth, who are next door, overhear and come and join in. Zeke teases them about how crazy they sound. While the teens talk, Jon Stewart shows up and he isn't acting like himself. No witty zingers here. (laughs) Suddenly, Jon Stewart attacks and attempts to infect the teens, getting his fingers cut off, and one of the pens containing the signature drug that Zeke cooks stabbed into his eye. The teens all watch as the drug dries out the parasite and kills it. This tells them that the creature needs water to survive, and humans are the perfect host. But also, these things can be killed. They go to Zeke's place, and all have to take a test to prove they aren't infected. Time to take some drugs. Woo woo! <laughs> 
One by one, they each take a hit to prove they are still human. But when they get to Delilah, she's infected. She smashes Zeke's setup so that they can't make any more of the drug and runs away. Stokely theorizes that they must be controlled by a queen, and if they find and kill that queen who's controlling everyone, it will kill the parasites and free everyone. So they do what they can by taking the last of Zeke's stash that wasn't smashed and go to the school to search for the queen. A football game with the whole town in attendance is happening at the school, and people are being infected left and right. Our ragtag teens may be the only humans left. Meanwhile, Principal Drake sees them and makes her way over to the isolated gym, where the teens have set a trap. They shoot her and douse her with a large amount of the drug. Principal Drake dies, but they aren't sure if she's the queen. Stan goes to confront his old football coach who's out on the field to see if the plan worked, but he is sadly infected in the process. The plan didn't work at all. Zeke and Casey need to get more of the drug from his car in order to defend themselves and leave Stokely and Mary Beth in the gym. It's then revealed that Mary Beth herself, the demure Southern transfer student, was the queen the whole time. She attacks and infects Stokely. She then knocks out Zeke, who returns, and now it's down to Casey. Casey uses the bleachers to trap the queen and jabs a fistful of the pens filled with the drug into her eye, killing her for good and freeing everyone who is still alive. One month later, things are relatively back to normal. Casey has become famous for speaking out about the incident and defeating the queen, even though the FBI denies that it happened. Stan is happy being an academic and quitting football for some reason. Stokely, not goth anymore. <laughs> she is dating Stan. They're happy together. God bless them. Zeke has joined the football team, for, again, for some reason, and is maybe having sex with his teacher. Delilah and Casey also dating... What's happening? <laughs> Some of the teachers are still mysteriously missing, but otherwise, damn, that's a happy ending. And that is the faculty. That's the faculty. Ooh, Roxy, <laughs> I feel like we learned a lot, not only about students, about teachers, about aliens, but also about ourselves. Yeah, yeah, we sure did. I came away from this movie <laughs> thinking that, like, here's my big question. Is Stokely a god? God? Because she is functioning. Okay, in a lot of movies, you have, like, the scientist who comes in, and, it, like, I I'm picturing in Cloverfield, they, like, go into this tent, and there's, like, a team of scientists, and they're like, here's what we can tell about the parasite. From our scientific analysis, this is it. This is how the rules are. This is this and this. Stokely mm. rolls in, and she's like, I've read two or three books, and this is what I think is happening, and she is exactly right. That's true. Yeah. I think there's like a line that Elijah Wood says where it's like, well, who's to say that these books weren't based off of a real thing that happened to somebody once? <laughs> to I'll like tell you justify. who Elijah Wood, me and every other human being. That's how we know. <laughs> it's so funny that this movie like almost operates under the hypothesis that imagination is not real. Like there must have been something to one to one happen to inspire any story to be written. <laughs> Yeah, I think also because it's like, it's a pretty genre savvy movie. So the fact that they, you know how like in zombie movies, people won't know that zombie media mm -hmm. exists, which is really annoying. Yeah. So I feel like this film subverts that where they're like, we know that Body uh, body Snatchers is like a movie in a book that exists. Absolutely. Maybe that's what's happening. So they uh, use it as a point of reference and comparison. Very similar to how Scream functions, which is written by yes. the same man. <laughs> Kevin yep, Williamson it sure is. also wrote this movie. He, he won't yeah. write a movie where the characters are unaware of the genre of film they're in. Yeah, which I think it, it works definitely in the, this movie's favor because it makes the characters feel a little bit more, like, smart in a way. Like, they're, they're making leaps in logic that aren't as ridiculous as a lot of other movie characters. I mean, they sure are, but it's kind of, <laughs> like, not in a way that takes me out of the movie when they do something, I See, guess. See, I, I go the opposite. It did take really? me out of the movie that they... Again, I was like, what? why is Stokely right? They're just, like, they just become so confident that the once they kill the queen, that everything's gonna be okay. And yeah, see, like, I didn't think about that either, because they're like, we hope that's what happens, but we don't actually know. So they were like, we'll, we'll see if that happens. Let's find out, I it guess. feels like there she was a draft. She ends up being right, but they don't know, I guess. It Sorry. feels like there was a draft where, again, there's like a science type character who tells them like, 100%, if you kill the queen, this works. Because they act with such certainty <laughs> towards like... Finding the queen and find... And also, I love their reasoning for thinking that it's Principal Drake. 
they're like, well, she's in charge of the school. Of course she's in charge of <laughs> the aliens. <laughs> yeah. It's a very kid way to think about it, you know? <laughs> it's 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 a one of my pet peeves in pretty much any media when like we know something that the characters don't. So the fact that we had seen Principal Drake not be the original faculty monster tells yeah. us that like it like it's kind of got me rooting against the characters. I'm like, don't do this. I know it's a waste of time. Uh, so I always get frustrated with that. But like it is, you're you're exactly right. It is very funny for the kids to think that like. It's weird. It's like the kids think their universe is so small that mm-hmm. like the way we look at the world is what the truth must be. And they end up being right, which I do think plays into what we'll get into in a second of the big picture of the movie. Um, but mm-hmm. We'll save that for later. <laughs> Sex secrets. I think also because you see them acting in sort of like a hive mind setup. So like the kids kind of guess that that's how they guess that it's like, oh, okay, there is someone controlling them probably because the way that they communicate, the way they know things, it wouldn't be accurate if it was just an individual. So they're like sharing information. Mm-hmm. That's true. And they also and- do, I think, a really smart thing where they make all of our teens, like n- they never have the grown up who tells them what's going on. They never have the yes. scientists. It's all our teens. I don't necessarily yeah. buy that Josh Hartnett is a science genius, but I like that they kept it within the family, that it's just our people that are interacting yeah. with this story. I think part of that is because like he figured out how to cook these drugs himself and like sell mm-hmm. them and everything. So it's kind of like he he taught himself that or he taught himself things he was interested in, which I guess happened to be science. But uh, <laughs> he also doesn't give a shit about school itself, I guess. So that's and why it doesn't really show up in any other way, I suppose. You know what? That kind of makes me think a little bit about like, I, I can't tell if I love this or hate this about the movie, but the mm-hmm. characters are, they're not characters so much as they are like archetypes right they are it's the very lonely breakfast nerd. club with everybody yes. yeah yeah uh and and to the point where even delilah says this in like the um, line that ripped me out of the movie i was like no teen would ever oh. say this she says oh. to elijah wood she's like you're the stephen king type kid oh, every yeah. school has one and i was like your world is so small you are not thinking about every other school in the world and how they have archetypes. It was like, that to me was like her, uh, like not just breaking the fourth wall, but like grabbing the fourth wall and leaping up and around it like a nimble gymnast. (laughs) So I thought you were going to say a different line because she does this Hmm. twice. I'm realizing now that you're bringing that up. Hmm. Um, When Stan is like trying to tell her something important about himself that she doesn't want to listen to. Mm-hmm. And when he finally does, he's like, I'm going to quit football because I don't want to do it anymore. She's like, okay, well, I guess I have to break up with you. Yes. Because that's the pecking order of the school. That's how it works. You get it, right? So it's exactly. like she really doesn't give a shit about him right. or anything. Her she, feelings she, are not based on this person she's with. Her feelings are based on what she has been <laughs> grafted onto her yeah her her expectations yeah her role is like head cheerleader head kind of like mean girl of the school essentially and she kind of feels like the only one that doesn't sort of have an arc like she comes out with dating elijah wood at the end which makes no sense they don't have any chemistry and she's also just like mean strong disagree i was so into them i mean maybe she's like mean the whole time so it's kind of like i think because she was mean to him i i don't think that she she should get she didn't have an arc. Why does she get, like, the happy ending? Like, Casey can do better. He should mm-hmm. be smarter after coming out of this to know he doesn't <laughs> need her. You know, I get him having a crush on her beforehand, but then it kind of turning out with them is kind of like, mm, I don't know. Well, he didn't become a eunuch. No, I know. It, I guess. It, okay, if, so you're just like, she's hot, so it's fine. Right. If he had had his dick bitten off by the queen at the end, I'd be like, yeah, of course but he's not he's, together he's with famous. her. He's famous at this point, though, so he could probably find someone else he liked better who oh, was also hot. Strong disagree. Nobody at that school okay. is hotter than <laughs> what's-her-face. Also, <laughs> looks like a 32-year-old woman. If she had played one of the faculty, <laughs> I would have equally bought it. To be clear, Jordana Brewster was 18 years old at the time of the film's release. So if you see what she looks like now, she's more like a Highlander because it kind of looks like she hasn't aged that much also since that movie. Cool. Yeah. Frozen so, in time. This is kind of cool for her. Maybe maybe she was actually the alien queen the whole time. She's <laughs> I, got I, mean, lock. I thought there was no reason for them not to go that way. So we do end up uh, getting like the, the basic structure of this movie is we have to find the original alien. And once we kill them, we'll be done here. Yeah. 
And the original well, alien ends up being the most obvious choice. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have her pegged right away? Because, like, I know you hadn't seen this, Mikey. I had seen it before when I was younger. But so you, once, you pegged her as being the once, alien in the first. When the question of, like, who is the original queen? Uh-huh. Uh, that it's somebody who has come into our lives and started doing this. I was like, well, probably the new girl, right? Like, if we don't okay. address it very clearly right away, and they kind of try to do a fake out where she does, like, take the drug that would have killed her. Yeah, with the test. And, it, <laughs> like, I was like, that didn't count. Like, I didn't see her do it. <laughs> she didn't yeah. act high or anything. Because, like, her and Delilah take it at the same time, and then, like, Delilah mm. being outed kind of distracts everyone. Exactly. So, like, her her tilting her head back, it totally looks like she did. And then, mm. like, after Delilah runs away, she comes out kind of giggling, like, hee hee, I'm high. This is what high people do. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um. And also the entire scene, it's great that we've already watched and talked about the thing on this podcast, because yes. that whole scene where they take the drugs is like an homage to that scene mm-hmm. from the thing, only they're all getting high Very <laughs> instead fun. of doing the blood test. What, what a smart <laughs> thing to say, like, okay, we're doing, we're going to do the thing scene, but they're teenagers, so what is the twist on it? It's like, oh yeah, teenagers get high all the time. <laughs> yeah. And we have a character who makes the drugs and is a drug dealer, so why uh, not? <laughs> just uh, a beautiful bit of synergy. For this there's movie. also that part with the uh, the decapitated head. So there's the the hot teacher who is uh, what was her name? Framke? What? Fomka Johnson. Okay, sorry. I always I always mispronounce her name. I will probably continue to mispronounce her name. But she's like a very meek teacher who sees that Zeke is like smart and wants to encourage him to do better, and he's shitty to her. It's the meanest I've ever seen somebody be like, there's this scene where she goes out and talks to Zeke in the parking lot and he basically like holds up condoms like, do you need these? And it's like him telling her like, have you ever had sex? And she like starts to cry. It's like the most horrifying scene i've i've never felt worse for a well because yeah she's like trying to be really nice and encouraging and he is like he doesn't want that and you can tell like the way josh hardnett portrays it it's kind of like he needs someone to care about him but he's pushing them away because he can't deal with it like Mm -hmm. he can't deal with having someone genuinely invested in his his future i guess um so he yeah he's being horrible first he like jokes about chocolate laxatives it's like, oh, yeah, it's uptight, constipated teacher, huh? And then, yeah, I got, like, these cherry condoms making jokes about that. And I think her, her performance, too, like you were saying, is just, it's so mean. I think she says something about him, like, being extremely cruel and then just, like, leaves and is borderline crying. She says, she says that's so rude. Just rude? And it's, yeah. Which, okay, like, I mean, she's not wrong, but I thought it was, I thought she said the word cruel for some no, reason. No, exactly right. Because, and that's what's so heartbreaking about it. It's like such an understated response. It's like, it's yeah. so little, like, you can tell how much it's affected her that she can't even get out how m- cruel it was. Like, yeah. she's devastated by it. It really broke my heart. Yeah, and then it it's such a twist later because when she becomes possessed by the parasite, like, her inhibitions are kind of gone and she's, mm-hmm. like, allowed to let out how angry she is at him. So yeah. she, like, berates him and takes him down, like, completely in front of, like, a bunch of the other students. It does um, rule. It's, it's pretty good, <laughs> It does yeah. feel, like, simultaneously <laughs> cathartic, but also, like, it reminds me of the when King Joffrey dies in Game of Thrones, where, like, mm. I did want him to die because I hated him, but then also once it happened, I was like, oh, that's still a little boy who's choking to death. Like, this kind of had that same feeling where it's like, yeah, I'm glad she's taking him down, but it's like, but also, he's a teen? <laughs> yeah, and she's, like, infected by the parasite, so you know it's not her. Right. So you're like, damn, it got to her, too, and I wanted something better for that character. <laughs> Exactly. Um, it's not only like a teenager who is like her charge, but like, yeah, it's not her. It's like we're not even getting that revenge that we really want because it's the parasite getting it. And instead of her going through a like satisfying arc. Yeah, because like, however frustrated she was, she seems like a genuinely good person who she just wanted her student to do better. So you would think that if she was in her right mind, that wouldn't be satisfying for her either to an extent. Roxy, do you think this is Fomka Johnson's best performance of her career? I mean, I I don't remember her in the James Bond movie, but I do remember her in the X-Men movies. 
Uh, I don't know. I liked her in this performance. I, I think I would this have is to an incredible performance. Again. If she had had sex with one man and crushed them to death with her legs, like she did in <laughs> the James Bond movie, it would 100% oh, be her happened. best performance. <laughs> okay. Wow, man. I don't understand how I didn't remember that movie. <laughs> the I'll, scene, I'll tell you how I remember like that. That was, a, yeah, I guess, that was uh, a game-changing <laughs> moment for old Mikey McCuller. <laughs> But uh, to get back onto the thing reference, there's a part where Josh Hartnett hits her with a car and she becomes decapitated. And then <laughs> yep. the head is crawling around like the head from the thing, which was very funny. Well, and then also she like puts it back on her neck. And then at mm-hmm. the end, after they do kill the queen, she's just like, fine. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> it healed her neck wound and then she was able to move on. And you got sex vibes from her and josh hartnett at the end right the way that they're looking at each other and she's like why why is she watching his football game and then waving in that way yeah like that seemed more like this is your girlfriend supporting you instead of this is your teacher supporting you and and so it kind of i got different relationship vibes from them as if something had changed well we do have to remember that josh hartnett is a year behind he's repeating his senior yeah year. so he he's actually he's probably like He's at least 18, maybe 19. Mm-hmm. So, And it's, if it's he had graduated, <laughs> it would have been a former student. So I was going to say, That's what's true. the problem? But I was like, nah, it's still a problem. It's still, it would still I would mean, be uncomfortable. Yeah, he's... Obvious if, sexual tension. Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, I they're both say, kind of just like sexy people, I guess. And uh, Aren't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I also had a note very early on that I said, I am so excited for Stan and Stokely to fuck. They mm. had chemistry. They Let did. Yeah, it was very cute. <laughs> Stokely, of course, a science fiction nerd. Stan. <laughs> this is another <laughs> example of like characters who are not characters, but are archetypes. He's like, uh-huh. I don't want to be a football guy. I want to do academics. Like he keeps saying the word academics, which is not a word. Uh, yeah, it's not like specifically said. like normally also wouldn't you want to do something specific you would think instead of just general academics, I guess. Exactly. Like if he found himself getting interested in English and he was like, I want to quit to like work on my book or read more. Like even yeah. that I, I wouldn't buy, but I could buy it a little more than like, I'm interested in generally having good grades. <laughs> like, no, yeah. you're not. No, no human is. I guess the way he phrased it, it was kind of more of like a moralistic thing where people were rewarding him not for his actual abilities because Mm -hmm. like he'd do well in football, then do bad in academic academic stuff. Like I I can't remember what the test was. And like the teacher bumped his D up to an A and he was like, you know what? That's fucked up. (laughs) So it kind of just shows like how maybe he's just not not very smart enough. I'm sure it's more of like it's an archetype thing that they wrote. They weren't thinking too hard into it. (laughs) <laughs> um, but it also could come across as like, he just doesn't know that much yet because he hasn't really studied anything. <laughs> so as we're it's again a very this, kid way of looking at it, maybe. I'm wondering how many human beings screenwriter Kevin Williamson has ever interacted with. Because <laughs> he, oh. he really does think of them as cardboard boxes that you fill up with specifics as opposed to like complex people, which he did a lot in Scream. Like Randy yeah. is the film nerd and the characters called him the film nerd right it's like the boyfriend always did it like yeah. Nev campbell is the virgin like he he's just thinking about people as these silhouettes <laughs> as opposed I to think, like uh, this it almost felt like this movie was trying to attack that and in a way the, yeah because it's kind of like genre aware i guess right and, and the idea that everybody kind of switches genres at the end is kind of a as much as somebody who doesn't understand that people are complex can say that people are complex, right? Like we're watching mm-hmm. it and we just know this is just like rearranging the deck chairs, but it's still the same number of seats at the table. Whereas like what it feels like they're trying to say by having uh science nerd, Josh Hartnett become a football player. And yeah, that's very weird too, especially because like we talked about this before we went live. So we should talk about it now. How, where the characters end up is kind of, some of them seem like strange choices. Like, why is Josh Hartnett doing football now? Mm-hmm. Makes absolutely no sense. Especially because, like, his his thing that he was good at in school that he didn't apply himself to was academic, right. academic stuff. Like, he was good in the English class and he was good in the science class. He knew those things about him. So, it's a really weird left turn to have him be in football. Um, And then Stokely, she's a goth. She was never, like, po- posing as a goth. Like, she liked being yeah. a goth. Like, why at the end is she no longer a goth and she's wearing, like, a 
pink patterned skirt or something mm-hmm. for no reason. And That's it's not like I mean. when she's dating Stan, like he likes her as a goth. So it's not like she's changing for him. It's really weird. Right. That, that's what I mean. Like, it feels like there's tr- some sort of attempt at a statement being made that these people don't exist in these like rigid cookie cutter roles. But like, yeah, shifting, like changing to a different cookie cutter is still a cookie cutter. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, and that's why, like, I don't think the ending is super effective, although I am stoked for Elijah Wood. I'm glad he gets to uh, have sex with 35-year-old senior Jordana Brewster. <laughs> I think, yeah, aside from the ending, like, I, I like a lot about this movie. And I think the performances with them being kind of like these archetype characters, the performances that the actors bring to it really sell it more. Yeah. And where I don't really think about it as much. Um, until like we have to break it down in this way. Like when you're watching the movie, you're not thinking as much about it. Like you realize, yes, that's the jock. Yes, that's the nerd. Mm-hmm. But you're not real. It doesn't take you out of the movie, or at least it didn't for me. Yeah, I, I uh. definitely had to have a, a come to Jesus moment with this movie where I was like, this is bothering me, but it's a weird, dumb choice, and I'm gonna just decide to like it. I think that's how I end up liking as many movies as I do. Like when mm-hmm. something starts bothering me, I can just be like. Well, that's like a funny thing to do. Like, that's not a thing that I see a ton of movies. Like, movies are either not self-aware and they make their character a jock and he just is a jock. Uh Or they are self-aware and they say that jocks are an iteration of humanity and there are certain things keeping a jock from being good at academics or being kind to the people in his life. And it explores that. But this movie is both self-aware but continues to do it, which is like this very, like... I understand I have done wrong, teacher, and I'm going to continue to do so. It's like a a (laughs) non-apology, which is, uh, again, very funny and weird and made me kind of enjoy it. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I'd say that's an interesting way to look at it. (laughs) What? Okay, that sounds like bullshit. No, no, I couldn't think of anything more articulate to say past what you said. I didn't mean for that to sound like... No, you're uh... you're fine. I thought it was very funny. (laughs) Okay. I, how'd you feel about the end where the uh, queen, who we find out is the new girl, Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson, who she hilariously tells everybody her full name. <laughs> most yeah, of the with time her uh, southern accent, because she's a transfer student. Uh, once she's outed as the queen, she's walking around buck-ass naked. Yeah, and she does not care. <laughs> Doesn't care, continuing to kill them. Made me feel a little weird. Didn't make me feel great. Well, she's kind of like posing as this naive kind of demure girl to Mm kind of like be unassuming and then it feels like she's her real self once she finally reveals herself especially because she's talking about how like oh i make you guys the best version of yourselves that's why i'm in her mind she doesn't really feel like it's a bad thing she's doing yeah necessarily and like you can kind of see when people get infected they do become like sexier sometimes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or like the the angry is- coach the angry coach becomes like more reined in and like mm-hmm. he he's still as authoritative as he was before but he's like more unsettling which i guess we haven't talked about him the coaches by the terminator is it t2 i want to say it's t2 yes yeah because like the, i recognized the liquid him terminator. and it wasn't until just now when you said uh is it terminator i was like oh right that's where i know him from it's terminator yeah and i, I haven't I seen terminator bl- one i can't believe i'm like blanking on his name right now but like he he's really good at that type of character mm-hmm. and so at the beginning he's like absolutely losing it yelling and screaming it uh students but then after that he's like more reined in but like way more threatening than he ever was when he was screaming yeah which is first of all how it works <laughs> yeah like you are not as threatening like you come across like a giant toddler when you're screaming yeah that much. exactly so uh, he kind of becomes the most threatening version of himself <laughs> something i 100 percent need to point out in this film there is zero point zero percent chance that screenwriter kevin williamson has ever watched a single play of football it is oh, really? shockingly embarrassing the way these people talk about football. <laughs> okay, I was wondering if you were going to comment on it because I forgot that the football featured quite so prominently because they have a game that happens where they're like infecting people. There's and a stuff game during where it. if they had revealed that this coach had been infected, I would have loved it and would have maybe bought it. But what mm-hmm. happens is an uninfected coach, the coach of the other team, says, Let's go, guys. Let's play four quarters. And it's like, yeah, you're going to. That's how long a football game is. Is that like not what they would say? I guess 100% not. No, it is. Okay. Here, what happened is I know exactly what happened. Okay. Kevin Williamson went and talked to coaches about what you would say. And there is kind of this idea that like 
some teams have like a, a mental toughness barrier that it's like by the end of the game, you start getting so tired that you kind of give up. And then that's how like games get closer towards the end. And mm, so they'll say okay. something along the lines of we're going to play four quarters today. But that's not an inspirational thing you would shout at your teams. Okay, especially it, not at the beginning, it, I guess. It would never come up, and you wouldn't say it like that because you'd be like, all right, guys, let's go play four quarters. And they'd be like, correct. That is the <laughs> amount of time we will play. Like, that's not inspirational. <laughs> that is the number. So it's like, I understand where you got that. And then the other thing is uh, Stokely, when she's connecting with Stan, has this conversation where she kind of reveals that she's been watching him and she's been invested in his football career. Yeah, and she says he says something crush. like, the team has won so many times. And Stokely says... In a way that is supposed to impress the football guy. She uh-huh. says, well, that's because of you and all your completed passes. Oh, that's right. That is what she said. If she was an alien in that moment, I would have <laughs> loved it. She was not. She was ostensibly a human being who follows football. Nobody has ever said, thanks to you and your completed passage. You would maybe talk about I completion mean, she... percent. Okay, maybe. Mikey, she... She's like a teen with a crush, though. So she's trying to be like, like, teehee, you're really good at the thing that you do. So what about from that angle? If they weren't trying to portray it as her, like, shocking him and saying that she knows something about football. Yeah, he does receive it like, oh, hey. Yes, (laughs) exactly. He's like, you you know about football. And I'm over here going, no, she doesn't. (laughs) Maybe he's just like, oh, maybe he started being into her and then was just like, okay, I'll just be nice about it. You know what? You're making uh, the exact same point I tried to make earlier. You're right. If the aliens had bit his penis off, Earlier in the film, I would have much more of a problem. But you're exactly right. He was turned on by the hot goth chick. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Completed passes. Yep, that's a thing. Yeah, because like it definitely shows that she is interested. I mean, even if she doesn't know what the fuck she's saying, maybe. Yeah. No, I like it now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I could uh, turn that scene around for you. <laughs> Roxy, what would you say is the big idea of this movie? Man, okay, so it's dealing with, like, a couple of things, I'd say, but overall it's, it is it is kind of like a coming-of-age story, but also about just, like, the horrors of what is expected of you versus what you want to be, and, like, mm. not being able to trust, like, the environment you're growing up in, maybe, and yeah. maybe even yourself, because all yeah. the characters feel like they kind of can't at the beginning, <laughs> to uh-huh. an extent. See, I, I very much got a lot of that, like, it's us versus them it is kids versus teachers. It felt very 90s in the sense that, like, yes. like these kids, even though this is not a 90s song, but, like, hey, <laughs> teacher, leave them kids alone. It's like... Yes, yeah, it's, it's very anti-authoritarian yeah. also in that um, way. <laughs> I think like, I think this movie is so much more effective when it is just the faculty being converted. And mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily mind the justification they have. Like, there's a scene where... The coach and, like, Mrs. Beasley or whatever the hell her name is. One of the other (laughs) teachers who we know is converted. They're having Uh this conversation. They're like, have you begun converting the students? And they said, no, we're just doing the faculty first. And it's Mm. when it becomes student versus teacher and the horrifying thing that is happening to the teacher is that they are all becoming the same. Like, that is a very 90s idea that, like, I'm going to rebel against what you're trying to teach me because I have to maintain myself. It, it's coming from this very teenage place of don't yeah. stamp out my individuality by making me learn about Moby Dick. Yeah, it's it's definitely about individualism, for sure, just based on the whole parasite hive mind aspect of it yeah. alone. Um, and and especially the teens who win do articulate individualism in various ways to like yeah, again, to like varying success like we didn't, we didn't really buy it but i think that's very yeah. clearly what they're getting at here is that uh, for an assimilated thing to take control of josh hartnett means he would never get to be a football player because the assimilation assumes that you are a stoner washout yeah and it's like that that character flaw or that personality flaw you have isn't optimal so we'll just get rid of it right and just kind of steamroll it so then everybody becomes the same level of uh, i don't know success i guess or yeah. whatever it flattens the curve it turns us all into milk toast little piles of unseasoned mashed potatoes yeah which is kind of how you can like potentially view the school system because you're just being taught the same curriculum mm-hmm. to an extent a bunch of standardized tests you know <laughs> It, it, it uh, being does forced feel... to learn things you don't care about just to like because you have to be there, mm-hmm. you know, 
Like, you could be someone who is really good at math, but doesn't give a shit about science, and you could be, like, the next math genius of the <laughs> 22nd century, but, like, you don't get to study that. You have to go to all your other classes and stuff, mm-hmm. too. So you're kind of forced to learn a bunch of shit you don't care about. <laughs> it, it's, it does feel very, like... I, I don't know. I'm trying to describe it. It almost feels like Calvin and Hobbes, like kids versus parents. Calvin and Hobbes is mm-hmm. about that. But it, yeah, it, does, it does have this vibe <laughs> of just like thumbing your nose at authority in the way that like almost yeah. Beavis and Butthead did. <laughs> like, Well, I think also when you're a kid, your perception of teachers, I don't know, it, it's going to vary, especially from elementary school to middle school to high school. Mm. But there are these adults who seem to know what they're doing and like you, they're kind of inscrutable. So there's already that distance. So now you put on this aspect where it's like, oh, they're even more weird and disconnected from me than before. And Mm. now they're horrifying and they're trying to (laughs) manipulate me. I mean, that is the fear, right? That I think the core fear of this movie is that these people who I don't care for are going to turn me into them. Yes. And that's horrifying. I would hate to be most of my elementary school and middle school teachers. I had a couple cool high school teachers that I wouldn't mind being if i if i turned uh-huh. into daryl lindquist ap chemistry teacher from my 11th you grade took an year ap chemistry class holy shit I did, Mikey. yeah oh that is not what i would have expected i mean I'm not sure why because you were good at it maybe not really i mean you didn't flunk it did you no i That's got pretty good. A in it i did really yeah, good there you go you're actually really good at it what are you talking really about you're not it. good at it well yeah. but I, again i had a great teacher who's an older man he was See, uh, that, very yeah. grandfatherly <laughs> loved his family a lot love and miss him well, I think we've been talking about it in sort of a negative sense for up until this point. But yeah, like having the right teacher can make all the difference to yeah. a kid, you know? And I think, was it Famka? I already forgot how to say her name correctly. Famka Jansen. Or, yeah, or like, in Goldeneye, Zinya Anatop. Mm-hmm. Her name was Anatop because she got on a top of men and crushed them to death with her legs. Good, good for her. I love that for her. Um, <laughs> good for you. <laughs> But so she definitely has, like, the motivation to be that kind of teacher that, you know, gives a shit about you and mm-hmm. wants the best for you and is also, like, very very smart. Like, she knows her – the thing she's teaching, but, like, she lacks the motivation to be better at it, I guess. Right. So, like, there, there's a sliver of that there, whereas, like – I don't know. Actually, John Stewart's teacher is pretty good, too. Like, he's engaging with the students. They seem pretty into, like, uh, the way he's talking about the weird new creature that they find and everything. But he also has this, like – for-profit filter applied over every one of his opinions. He's like, when he sees the uh, the new species, he's like super excited to take it to the universe. He's like, I'm going to get all that grant money. Like there's this, like they couldn't decide if he was supposed to be cast as a teacher who we liked and were connecting with or just like a nothing guy who just saw like his uh-huh. one... I mean, I guess they start the school teacher introduction, well, I guess, aside from the coach, showing that they have absolutely no budget for anything else except the football team. So the way that came to me was like, oh, he can finally, like, teach more Mm. and do more with his department than he could before. That sounds right. I could see that. Because it seems like he cares about science. But then you have the history teacher guy who drinks, day drinks, and could not give a shit. He does not want to be there. So you have kind of, like, the gamut of that. I mean, I'm sure we've all experienced different different flavors of those. (laughs) Uh, in our time at school, Boy, um, but I've had I've had plenty of great teachers who you know made like reasonably good impact on me, and plenty of teachers who made me hate certain subjects and stuff just because of the way they they taught their mm-hmm. classes. So it's just like how influential a teacher can be, and how much power they have in that sense as well, which I think again adds to this movie. <laughs> yeah, and and how complex again like you can't just put a box around people and say they are a teacher because there are good teachers and bad teachers there are good jocks and bad jocks there are stupid girls who run newspapers and there are (laughs) deeply intelligent girls who like science fiction like there's all kinds of human beings and i guess that's the thing that bums me out about this movie is the flattening of all of these at the end or you mean in the characterization general at the end and throughout yeah it's fine now that i like i said i talked myself into liking it because it's funny to see like a specific brain's thoughts on how archetypes uh-huh. mash into each other <laughs> what does well, it look like also, when this nerd and the prima donna girl get together yeah we haven't even talked about too how this is like such an encapsulation of the 90s 
This is like distilled 90s. They, <laughs> I was looking up some other stuff too, and like to promote the movie, they did a uh, crossover like brand thing with Tommy Hilfiger. So a lot of the characters are wearing <laughs> Tommy Hilfiger in the movie as well. Cool. And there's a commercial out there that has them in it, including Usher, even though Usher was barely even in the movie. Poor Usher. <laughs> what a waste. He's probably doing other stuff at the time, I would That's guess. True. He's very busy. <laughs> but they have him on the movie poster, and it's like, he's barely in it. I know you did it for, like, billing, but, like... <laughs> mm-hmm. That's such a direct-to-DVD move, when mm-hmm. they've got, like, 25 seconds of Leonardo DiCaprio before Titanic, that he just made this <laughs> shitty movie, and they're like, wow, the Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Okay. Yep. It's about robots. Roxy, I got a question for you. Do ya? What's, what's the question? Roxy, how are you and I gonna know for each other if we've been assimilated be it by faculty style aliens be it by body snatchers be it by mm-hmm. chucky's you know chucky can split his soul chucky now. okay well i think with like the body snatcher thing they're very sort of robotic and they get rid of like things or processes in your life that it would deem unnecessary so i'd say if i stopped liking video games or caring about video games that'd be a really easy thing for you to peg <laughs> Okay, okay, yeah, video game sounds right. You'd be like, Roxy, do you play a video game this week? And if I said no, then you'd be like, okay, <laughs> you're obviously a pod person. <laughs> okay, great. I will keep that in my back pocket. <laughs> what um, about you, Mikey? I think that, like, my fear is that some of these pod people will get into my memories, and they will- Oh. That they will know to say, like- Yeah, that's a good point. We didn't so really talk about that. Here's the thing. There is no- instant takeover right there's always some sort of fight you always see the creature like trying to climb in the mouth and it's like fighting against it and trying to pull reach in and pull it out or or Uh like get out of my brain i'm not gonna fight it okay i'm gonna be assimilated but the very first thing i'm gonna do when i have the the last bit of my self-control is roxy i'm gonna cut off the tip of my left finger okay because it can't grow them back right it's just what if it can though but the monsters in this one could reattach heads Oh, oh, I guess I would... they couldn't reattach fingers, though. When Jon Stewart lost his eye and his a bunch were gone. of his fingers, they were gone. Okay. So okay. even if I'm saying to you, yeah, of course I played a video game this week, Roxy, you just glance at my left hand. If my... Left it's just hand. Right, okay. under, right under the fingernail line. That's where I'm slicing. So just okay. that, le- that little tip. If that's gone, you know it's not Okay, me. gotcha. I will look and for your left if hand. if I accidentally cut that off in an unrelated accident, I will report into you immediately and we will decide a new finger. <laughs> okay, good. You gotta, you gotta keep me up to date on that because otherwise I'm gonna think we're being invaded. <laughs> if you have some sort of unfortunate accident. So. <laughs> no, Roxy, don't shoot me in the bla- brain with a shotgun. <laughs> but I got it, you're infected. I just chopped the salad wrong. <laughs> Did you say salad tongs? I chopped I chopped the salad wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> Roxy, I couldn't chop the salad tongs. It's very difficult. It's like, why would you try to chop salad tongs? He's got to be infected. <laughs> Roxy, on a scale of one to nine, since 10, of course, doesn't exist in the scary basement, that would be insane. How likely would you say the faculty is to happening? So th- this might be... <laughs> I... I... I said a nine for invasion tactics. So if there are smart aliens Ooh. who are trying to take people over, this is a good way to do it. You just got to be more subtle. Totally good invasion tactic. So uh, if something headed out for us and want to take us over, yeah, they, they totally do it like this. That's interesting. I went the exact opposite way. I said a two. Okay. Because I don't buy that killing a, the main parasite erases the rest. Yeah, about? I mean, that's too convenient. It's too convenient it's of too a wrap convenient. up. If we get, like, there was a monster rooting around in your body. <laughs> like, Vomka Johnson yeah. isn't, like, stitching her head back on and going back to work. She's filling hundreds of tiny wounds on the inside yeah. of her body. Yeah, the fact that everyone's okay at the end is not a little too picture perfect that they just didn't want to explain the carnage and leave it on a sour note, I guess. <laughs> um, speaking of explaining the carnage, this is something, uh, this is maybe unrelated, but it is involving horror movies that I do want to deal with, that the faculty actually does right. Oh. I'm tired of horror movies going to the hospital. Somebody gets stabbed by Michael oh. Myers, they take him to the hospital, the whole movie ends up in the hospital. Uh, it just yeah. happened on the Chucky TV series that we're watching and loving. I am tired That's of right. horror movies in hospital. So from now on, if you get stabbed by Michael Myers, you either die right there or... Or you come back the next day at full health. 
I mean, that that would be convenient. <laughs> I guess those are always playing on, like, the horror of being in a hospital, though. Like, hospitals can be scary places, so it just gives them another location. Yeah, but, but I understand. Like, it is it is. It's never about the horror trope. of the hospital. It's just, like, they feel like they have to do it. It's just this yeah, drudgery. It's, not, it's like, now we gotta yeah. get to the hospital part. And then the movie picks up when somebody's like, I don't care. And they rip the IV out of their arm, and then they go on the hunt. That's when the movie starts yeah. again. Yeah. So the faculty, good job not sending anybody to the hospital to get their head reattached. Just everybody's <laughs> fine. We're moving on. I don't care anymore. So, uh, Mikey, we had a bet last week, mm-hmm. which was how many of the main characters make it out alive? I said three. Yeah, you said three. I said two. So I kept it to the teens. So the answer is five teens. Whoa. Five main character teens make it out alive. That's a Because I'm not counting Usher. Sorry, Usher. That's a big W for old Mikey McCollar. Yeah, you won. I never win these bets. <laughs> uh, don't say that. You just won right now. <laughs> I know. I know. That's why it's so exciting. I feel like you're on a... We should probably be keeping track of them, A. But B, Yeah. I feel like you've been on a run. I have been, actually, in some of these current ones, which... Mm-hmm. I mean, some of it is me just prices right undercutting you or overcutting you, I guess. You know what? I'm committing right now. I'm going to find out before our next episode... What the current tally is of okay. wins, Roxy versus Mikey, and I will report back next week. We'll know okay, where I'm, we stand. And at some I'm point, there will that. be a, a the one of us is going to have to buy the other a pizza. Ooh, okay. Or wouldn't you rather have me get you Chipotle, or do you want pizza? Uh, I mean, I, one of us will Postmates the other there you uh, go. <laughs> dinner. Okay, cool. Maybe, maybe we'll say by bet, the end of the year. Bet. Although we might be, I don't know when this episode is coming out. It might be the end of the year right now. Yeah, uh, it'll be like, what, November, December, I think. I can't yeah. do math right now. <laughs> Who cares? This is not interesting. Roxy. Hey. <laughs> we can't My talk dinner's about, very interesting. <laughs> about release schedule on the podcast. <laughs> Roxy, there were a lot of people being possessed at the end of this movie. We got to the entire town had become the faculty, right? Yes. What that tells me is that Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson was active well before she possessed the coach. I think she was mm, infecting okay. people even beforehand. So here's what I'm thinking we can do. Let's set the dials on the universal mirror to follow okay. Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson in her universe and watch the chain. Let's see who else Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson infected before she got to the coach. Are you ready? Okay. Yep. I'm ready. All right, we'll just turn the dials here. There she is. Okay, so this is when she first came to Earth. It looks like Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson crashed in a cornfield. Oh, okay. And the very first person that she turned well before she made her way over to the coach was a corn farmer. And Okay, makes sense. That tracks. Looking in this mirror, learning a little bit more about the corn farmer, um, it appears as though he only eats corn. That can't be good for your diet. He must yep. be very malnourished and probably have scurvy. You're exactly right, because what's happening is we're getting little, like, profiles of the characters of, in the movie universe and learning little bullet points about them. So I okay. do see that uh, the first bullet point is he only eats corn. The second bullet point is he is dying. Okay, well, I mean, then he would probably benefit from being taken over because she can fix his corn problem and his dying problem. Absolutely. Probably. It sounds like this possession was, like, a good move. Yeah. Okay, so I'm seeing he's uh he's calling up a taxi because his car broke down and she doesn't know how to fix it. Okay. <laughs> and they ha- he has to take her away. And oh, okay, it's a uh, it's played by Steve Buscemi, who was a character who was cut from the film. Ooh, he's okay. gonna be in the film in the initial the initial set of it. Yeah, that tracks to me. He's a fast talking taxi driver. It's uh, too bad he was he was a uh, cut for time. It looks like. Yeah, I know. I do like the Steve Buscemi does feel very like peak nineties. Yeah, fast talking. Is he is he doing maybe some grifting? Is that how he's? He using? could be. Yeah, he he's like pitching them his like cool new idea that they should invest in, and then they uh, infect him because they realize they're like, okay, we actually don't care about this. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like that's a thumbs down. Yeah, the investment opportunity. But hey, he gets to join their uh, faculty cult. So hey, hey, not the worst. That's the ultimate investment in him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. (laughs) All right. We're watching Steve Buscemi and he is dropping them off. It looks like this is where Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson is getting into the school. She's going to go talk to the coach. But then we see Steve Buscemi driving off Mm -hmm. and he's going to Foot Locker. Foot Locker. Okay. He's going to Foot Locker. 
It looks as though Steve Buscemi needs a new pair of shoes, and there is a Foot Locker employee who, they work on commission there, Roxy. I don't know if you know this about Foot Locker. They do? That's that's horrifying. Steve Buscemi knows he wants a new pair of shoes, but can't find one, and the Foot Locker employee, she's a, a young teen, probably, uh, you know, last couple years of college, Mm. she wants to make the sale and she's trying so hard, but it's just like, she is realizing like, damn, we do not have the right shoe for you. And you can just sense the sadness seeping off of her. And so to make her feel better, Steve Buscemi, of course, spits out a bug into her ear and assimilates her. So she doesn't have to worry about making footlocker sales anymore. Or that uh, last couple years of college, I guess too, huh? Yep. College is done. (laughs) <laughs> nice. No more college. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> um, okay, so since she doesn't have to do her job or her college anymore, I see she's walking over to a bar across from the Foot Locker, because mm. that, why not, and runs into Quentin Tarantino, who oh. is playing his character from, from Dust Till Dawn, who somehow <laughs> didn't die. Okay. He's a Richie oh, so Gecko. These, these movies are in the same universe from Dust oh, Till yes, Dawn this, and the Faculty. This is, so this is actually the prequel to From Dust Till Dawn, which is cool. also directed by uh, Rodriguez. <laughs> Rodriguez, oh, correct. Right. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> so it uh, turns out he didn't die, but he is a vampire. <laughs> oh. And, uh, you know, they, they, they hit it off and realize they're both monsters. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the queen faculty creature can't have two monsters running around so she's got to take him over add him to the army get a more powerful (laughs) guy there and And they're hitting it off anyway so they get to be possessed together so hey why not let's see if we can maybe take these dials and and dial in a little more to more truth in the in this in these characters how do we see the parasite interacting with the vampirism that's a good question, you know. I, I can see that his eyes are bleeding, so that feels like a bizarre side effect that the parasite... Yeah, the vampire blood doesn't like it. The parasite probably doesn't like it because he's not technically alive, but there is still, like, water in the form of blood there, so mm-hmm. I'd say it's probably be okay to survive there. Not having a good time, I would assume, though. Or what? would it reverse it? Would it take over, get rid of the vampire blood? Oh, I, I think... That that is exactly what's happening. the The parasite is eating all of the vampire DNA. Ooh, okay, there we go. <laughs> He's human again. <laughs> if you were to zoom in on the double helix of a, a vampire, uh, you would see little nodes attaching to the DNA that have tiny little fangs that are <laughs> <laughs> the genome strands. So now we've got Quentin Tarantino who. Admittedly, is no longer a vampire, but is still kind of into the night. You know, he's he's his yeah. sleep schedule is such that he has been sleeping during the day, waking up at night. Yeah, you can't change that on a dime just because you've been turned into an alien uh, hive mind. Hey, that's not how that works. You and I know that better than most. This is true. It's very uh, true. So Quentin Tarantino, now assimilated, former vampire, now assimilated to the the faculty parasite. He's up late at night, and what's open late at night, Roxy? That's right. It's Wendy's. Wendy's. All and right. So here we see Quentin Tarantino in the He can the eat drive-thru. food again, too. Oh, he's so, so excited. That's got to be a big plus. That's got to be a big plus. Have himself a little burg. <laughs> he is in line at the Wendy's drive-thru, and he is... Oh, okay, okay. I see. He is infecting the young man working the drive-thru, and look, looking at that gentleman in the window, at the drive-thru window, that mm. is the man who went viral this week. For getting a job at Wendy's to keep the American labor economy from collapsing. Did you see the story, what? Roxy? I did not see the story. I'm sorry. This is all thing. It was, it was a post on the app next door. So also, first of all, this tells oh. us that the faculty and our universe are in the same universe. All right. Yeah. That as guy well as from Dusseldon. He wrote a post on next door that was like, guess what, everybody? I just got a job at Wendy's. That's right. I do have a full-time career, but what we're doing now isn't working. People don't want to work. Inflation has gone out of control. Nobody, socialism has perverted our workers so that nobody wants to get a job. So I'm doing my part. So if you want to come to Wendy's from like 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, come say hi to me. They were so excited to hire me because I'm doing it for the greater good. What on earth? Yeah, no, he sucks. <laughs> is this real? This feels like somebody just doing it to go viral. And also, what the that is? 
Well, uh, at Why least in the faculty universe, say? it's it is real. It is a real uh, guy, and he is at working the window and just got turned into a parasite. Well, I I'm glad for that. Then hopefully that will improve him. One of the few people who can be improved by the parasite, by the sounds of it. And it looks like that's as far as we are, because of course. Now, the faculty universe and school. our universe are now the same universe, and that uh-huh. just happened this week, so he has not gotten anybody else with the faculty parasite. So that's about where we're at. And so either, I, I mean, I guess we're just a few moments away from the teens at the high school yeah, killing, killing the queen killing and, the queen. and eliminating it. So we're okay. We're okay now. Okay, that's good. Because think of how many people he could have infected at Wendy's. Oh, yeah. Just spitting parasites in their burgs. <laughs> Old people... Going there for morning coffee. Yes. High teenagers. There are so many people who go to Wendy's so much. Yep. <laughs> All right. I'm glad we got that figured out. Uh-oh, Roxy, here he comes. The Demon, Demon bot. bot. Okay, what's up, Demon Bot? Congratulations, Mikey and Roxy. You have successfully reviewed the faculty. Your souls are safe for another week. Next week, you must watch the 1986 film Chopping Mall, directed by Jim Winorski and starring Kelly Maroney, Tony O'Dell, and Russell Todd. That is chopping with A-C-H, as it is a clever pun. But not clever enough as they did not spell mall. M-A-U-L. So, okay, Roxy, we're going to watch the 1986 film Chopping Mall. Chopping Mall. Okay, I've never even heard of this, so uh, I'm looking forward to watching something completely blind. It's wild. I've heard of it like three times in my life. First of all, from Demon Bot, just now assigning it so we keep our okay. souls, but also from uh-huh. a podcast I was listening to and also a friend I was talking to. So, well, hey. It's coming up a lot in my life, and I'm excited to finally sit down and watch it. Um, all the stars are aligning. We're going to watch it. Let's make a bet for Chopping Mall. Okay. That will, of course, go into the tally for which of us will be buying the other pizza slash chipotle slash whatever dinner we're excited for. <laughs> yeah. Whenever the deadline comes. Yep. It's n- never. <laughs> <laughs> Might never happen. Well, because it only ends when we stop reviewing movies. So right. it's going to go on in perpetuity till we both die, probably. We got to uh, my favorite pro wrestling organization, AEW, keeps track of every wrestler's wins and loss records. But mm. every January, they reset them. So we, okay. we need a reset point. Uh, who, who cares? Why are we talking about the behind the scenes on the podcast? I don't know. We'll get a wiki someday, maybe, and then they'll keep track of it. <laughs> That's good. Uh, Roxy, how many recognizable stores do you think we'll see in this chopping mall? Of course, they'll be walking through the hallways of a mall, see a number of shots. Will we see a certain number of Babbage's or uh, Ikea's or uh, FAO Schwartz's. How many recognizable stores will we see in this chopping mall? I'm assuming most of the the movie is going to take place within the mall. And I know how many brands we're going to get endorsement from. So I'm going to guess eight seems like a fair enough number, especially if they're like spending time in whatever the main character's store is. Oh, right. They'll probably have like their home base store. Yeah. So then the ones you see in the background, I feel like, you know, seven on top of whatever the main one is. Makes sense. What about I think you, the Mikey? fact that this wasn't a seemingly I, again, I know nothing about this movie. The fact that it didn't get like a big budget release. This isn't like a, a <laughs> E.T. the extraterrestrial. They're probably lower budget. They're probably shooting mm. at a smaller mall. I'm going to say that okay. there are fewer stores in general. I'm going to say six stores, six stores in the chopping mall. OK, it was the 80s as well. So it wasn't quite the mega malls that we would have in later decades. So, yeah, yeah. I'd say they had we, we each have a good fair shot at winning this this time around. <laughs> the pact has been sealed. I mean, the bet is confirmed. Whoever is closest to the number of recognizable storefronts in the mall shall be the winner. The loser must travel to the location of the film, the Sherman Oaks Galleria, and reenact scenes from the film. Whatever you shoot will probably have better production value than this film. All right, Roxy, before we get out of here, what's something that's making us happy yeah something that's making me happy i have started playing final fantasy 14 oh, uh, which is an it. mmo i i do love it and i held off playing it for so many years because i was like if i like it it's gonna take over my life and it kind of <laughs> low-key has um but it's also made me like reach out to friends and kind of like organize playing together and everything which has been great so mm-hmm. found a new game to be obsessed with and also hanging out with friends and doing stuff which has been nice that what about you, nice. Mikey? Yeah. Mine is, uh, in a roundabout way, about friends also. 
Oh, What's great. making me happy is sleep. I'm finding. That sounds wonderful. If I go to sleep with my little phone, like, curled up next to me watching, like, a speed run, mm-hmm. my brain is now 100% associated, specifically Metroid Dread speedruns, with Ooh, sleep. Okay. And I clonk out. Let me tell you, I <sighs> am gone. I am just You found your sleep trigger. Boom. You found a sleep trigger. That's wonderful, Mikey. I am having such vivid dreams. Oh, is one. it about Metroid? No. Oh, okay. About, it's about wild business. <laughs> Are you a CEO? Including one dream where I am with my three best friends. We are in my very first Los Angeles apartment. They were never okay. in this apartment, so I was confused as to what was going on. Okay, and so then it's you like know current dreams... best friends, not like from when you yes. moved in. Okay. Current best friends. And and you know how uh, dreams sometimes just change locations without really explaining why? All of a sudden, mm-hmm. this first apartment I was in became bigger and was holding a massive party. And guess who's at this oh. party? But Barack Obama and his entire family. And (laughs) I was so worried about what I could say to him. But then I was like, hey, my friends are here. So it doesn't matter. I can just go say hi to him and just be like, hey, I I am a big fan of yours. These are my good friends. And so you got to hang out with Barack Obama Mm -hmm. and your friends. That sounds delightful. It was very nice. (laughs) Dreamscapes. Nice, Mikey. (laughs) Also, just like... I mean, I think we both struggled with uh, sleep schedules and stuff because we're both like creative minded people who are freelancers to an extent. Mm -hmm. So we have insane schedules. Ain't no bosses to hold our schedule down, but we wish we did have schedules to hold our (laughs) (laughs) schedules down. Yeah. So like finding a sleep trigger like that is like discovering gold. You found a gold mine, Mikey, and I'm very happy for you for that. Roxy. Every week, before we escape the scary basement, we do have to commit some sort of atrocity against the guardsmen of the basement. Sometimes. (laughs) I am, of course, prepared. I have a a small, I believe it's called a bolo. It's two metal Uh. balls uh, tied together via like a rope string. And I'm just going to whip it around over my head. Uh, Okay, I'm ducking. (laughs) Do not use this. No. Okay, I'm glad I ducked even more so. All right, I'm going to open up the uh, the, okay. the basement door. Okay. Uh, oh my god, Mikey, did you just hit yourself with it? What happened? Okay, well, I think Mikey just knocked himself out with it. I'm going to pick him up. Okay, this is... Okay, let me pick him up. All right, okay. Hey, wouldn't you know it? There's actually nobody up here today. There's just a little sign that says on break. Okay, good. That was extremely lucky. Okay, come on. Let's get out of here, unconscious Mikey. All right. Okay. I don't know how long I can do this. He's uh, my puny arm muscles. Uh, 